1: Hello and welcome to another episode of No Holds Barred. I'm joined on the line by Billy Bassey. Now you probably, you may remember him from Big Brother 8. Is that right, Billy?
2: Yeah, that's right. 2007, yeah.
1: That was the start of your story uh, in the limelight somewhat, right? That would be the beginning
2: or was you doing stuff before then? I was doing a little bit of stuff before then. Um, what helps get into Big Brother, I believe, because I didn't audition particularly controversially was the fact that I had a modeling modeling background behind me plus i'm of um asian descent i'm mixed i'm mixed asian so i think i've ticked quite a few boxes and was pushed through the audition process quite easily so yeah i had that background and uh and i think that helped me out
1: what well, so you're saying big brother ticked that you were ticked some boxes the ethical box the ethnic box and and the sort of good-looking young man kind of
2: yeah i think they're looking for people that they're looking for people of various ages um that they're, they're looking for some people that are, would look like models looking for some people that aren't. They're looking for blacks, whites, yeah. gays, straights. Who Trump was on hands. with you? Uh, I was on there with um, Sam and Amanda, the twins. Um, Brian Bellow won mine. Um, Charlie, oh, yeah. he was like Charlie was in there as well.
1: The, the guy from Essex. He yeah, sounded quite like thick or dumb
2: sounding. Yeah, he was. He was. He was a. He was a black guy from Essex who was adopted by a white family and and had no. No blackness in him at all. if That's, <laughs> no, if that's a, the white, if that's he's a, a political, white, political thing to say. No, no, but close. he was
1: one of the whitest people I've ever seen. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. In terms of the way he acts, which which actually drew you to him in in a way. But, but did he play up on this kind of? Did he play dumb in the same way that perhaps Joey Essex does? Did,
2: uh, was, uh, yeah, absolutely. Like I think when I when I was sent, my modelling agency sent me to um, the auditions in two thousand six, and I skipped through the process where I had to go to um, the Emirates Stadium. So I basically skipped past a quarter of a million people at that point to go straight to the last 20,000. And I just wasn't into it at all. I actually sat with Brian in those auditions and he told me that he was if he gets in, he was going to take a year out of uni. Now, if you're even in the conversation to go to university, you do know who Shakespeare is. Yes. Fast forward to 2007. We've both made it into the house a year later. And um, he's in the house and doesn't know who Shakespeare is, <laughs> and, and and doesn't even seem like he has a GCSE to his name. So it was very different to the person I sat next to in the audition process the year before.
1: Smart, then I guess. Um, we well, ended up winning for sure. Billy, why, why, what, what was, what drew you to it? Because wh- was did no, this... let me t-
2: let me just, just let me tell you one thing that you might not know. Just just might be an interesting little tidbit for people. Uh, Brian created the only way is Essex and was kicked off the show. But basically, they told him it wasn't a very good idea. It was called Totally Essex. And um, the he cast all of the cast that got in there, except the only two people were, that were removed was him and another black girl. And then they made it, and then he sued for £2 million, but only ended up with a third of it because he couldn't finance his own court case. It was financed by Neil Ruddock, the footballer, who ended up what? taking half the money. What? That is mental. Yeah. That's crazy. Mate, Completely def- true story. You can see the video of Totally Essex <laughs> on YouTube and what Brian created. And uh, it's been released on YouTube. And you'll see that it's exactly the same cast. And all his friends stitched him up and I mean, uh, went, up went and done the show. And he had to go through the legal route to get any money.
1: You're, you're a Spurs fan, aren't you, Billy?
2: <laughs> no, I'm a, I'm a Manchester United fan. What?
1: I was, uh, I'd look at your Facebook, and you were ranting and raving about Liverpool, and uh, and then uh, and about the uh, Champions League final day.
2: I've um, I've sp- watched Spurs. I, I I go. I'm not one of these people that don't go to United. I go to United a, a lot. But uh, my dad has a bar in Wembley called the Wembley Tavern, and I've been there. When when Tottenham were there, they had a relationship with um, all the Wembley Traders Association, and I had tickets every week and watching football is better than not watching football so I went every to every single game that was at Wembley and um, took quite a few Spurs supporters along with me so I am quite affiliated to the club in that way um, That must in, ter- it. in terms they would definitely be a second team and my son actually had the audacity to try and support them and has a Spurs kit <laughs> but we're trying to wean him off that and <laughs> he's got to be united now you know right? Right?
0: Yeah.
2: it has to be but he's still we still look out for the Spurs results and we still want them to do well
1: yeah, fair enough. Uh, well, um, i was just to say, it must have been hard to go to the Emirates and do that. Or this, this good job you got got round it. But, um, t- so tell me what your motives were for going into the house. Like what, like because at that stage, was Big Brother still credible? I can't. It's hard looking back. To, to... Oh yeah,
2: absolutely. I think um, well, I think when it left Channel Four, it started to lose its credibility, and we were we were still holding huge numbers in the region of six to eight million people a night, which is nowhere which, which which is nowhere near what it got at the end and then also um no reality show gets anywhere near that. at the time it was only us and x-factor around so if you remember back to these times where the x-factor finalist or the winner sorry would always get the christmas number one year after year after year and then the big brother winner would always go on to be relatively relevant for at least a year or two mm-hmm. um, it was during it was during that period where these were the only two things so we're looking at pre-made in chelsea pre-towie uh just pre everything um even even geordie shore we we just stood alone as the two the two main shows that, that were going out live all the time so yeah it was it was at the at the peak of the show and i think the peak of the show dropped maybe not the year after but maybe the year after that yeah fair enough i mean i left on the um I left the house and and at the front page of the Daily star for two days, and I've still got those in my in my collection box so. what were they what were what were the stories what, what were they running um it was just um an immediate an immediate story that I'd been evicted and then the next day was my exclusive so um various newspapers come in and bid for you and see and you choose what kind of offer you want to go with. I don't think the Daily star was the most but what what came with the daily star was the fact that they also that the, the company that owned it also owned a magazine called new magazine so you ended up doing two covers and um you ended up with more money than just taking the the story with the news of the world so i think the news of the world came in at about thirty thousand pounds but i think i took the 24 with the star and then the extra eight to do the magazine cover so it's just 32 so yeah I just um i just felt that was the better way to go plus um they keep you in there for a few more weeks
1: how how um how does this process work then do they do you have to immediately have a talent agent or do you have a talent agent before you go in and 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 these offers go through that agent or do they contact you directly how how did that
2: all that work oh it's it's absolutely different for for various people over the years through meetups and discussions and and even now with especially when the show was off the air we went to a. a final rat party for when the show ended a couple of years ago. And um, we found out lots and lots of stuff that that we weren't really supposed to know at the time. So a lot of people um, go and do the guinea pig run, which is the which is when people go and live in the house one week before the show starts to see if it's fit for living. And if you go into the guinea pig run, you're looked at as somebody that can go on next year. Um, So you totally skip the audition process from the guinea pig run and you're put in, I know some people have gone down that route, Um, talent agents or modeling agents like mine are contacted and you can skip through certain parts of the process. I know of that. And then there's obviously the process where you begin right at the back of the line and they pick you out because you look quirky or interesting or they, or, they don't even pick you out and you just go, you just queue the whole way and get to the front and do your group activity where they want to see if you stand out in these team building exercises and whatnot. And you get picked from there. That is the bare bottom of the process where if you come from there, you really have beaten a quarter of a million people from the bottom and and got your way into the house. Um, I didn't have to go through that. And some people, went through the guinea pig run i would speculate that some people are literally just picked from talent agencies but it doesn't end there as well you go through the um audition process which takes about three months where you see a psychologist a psychiatrist you go through loads of group activities everybody's showing off and trying to catch people's eyes and then you go to france with a, a chaperone and the story you're told and this is at the time where the show had a lot more money and we're doing a lot more numbers on tv but you're with your chaperone and you're told that they want to keep you away from the press for two weeks so that um, nobody can harass you because they, you they will know that your name they will know your names by then and they won't publish them but they will want to dig up inside information of you so it's on you so they want to take you out the public eye but that's not true what they're really doing is the chaperone that you're away with in the south of france is monitoring you sorry summer summer south summer north i was north of france i went to con and they're monitoring you to see if you're consistent with your audition so if you're like oh i'm absolutely crazy i'll do anything for a laugh and you go to the audition you, you stay with your chaperone and you're boring as anything yeah you will be sent home yeah you, it will be over for you because they're there to watch you 24 7 to see that you've auditioned correctly and that you're consistent with your audition so that basically eliminates the process of people faking it through the audition because it's hard to fake it in a one-on-one situation for a two three-week period in, in the north or south of france
1: so it's like a, it's a science to how they create the housemates.
2: Yeah, they want, they have a mix in mind. They they want people to, it does, it's not always foolproof because we have seen some boring episodes, but the, the, the philosophy is correct in terms of they want this specific mishmash of people where they can set up romances, set up rivalries, set up explosions, just basically set up good television for a sustained period of 10 to 13 weeks. And they, they do a lot of background work to get that right. And some seasons, as I said, it hasn't really materialised. But more more often than not, I think in the first 10 years, Big Brother always did produce an interesting series.
1: Yeah, I, I was definitely, definitely into it for, for a long time. Um, and I, I remember watching you and that, that season for sure. I think that was probably the last one um it kind of started to uh it, i don't know they they, they kind of, it, i remember them amp- ramping it up and making it more stressful and it was less a sociological experiment and more a game show do you know that do you know like they would start separating the house and then f- f- forcing situations that was going to create conflict and I, I began to feel uncomfortable with it do you, do you remember when you was in the house ever feeling like you was being manipulated or or or, 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 or you was being treated unfairly or anything like that
2: yeah absolutely like i think we we had a lot of eyes on us because we'd come we came off came straight after the celebrity big brother of um of Shilpa chetty and the jade goody racism row.
1: that's right
2: so that was that had worldwide scrutiny on on it so we were a series immediately after that i think only around about four or five months later we went on and did our show so um, we immediately had a girl kicked out for accidentally saying the the n word in in a way that she claimed that she would say it around her own friends and was that she, Charlie? Uh, Charlie was the girl that was said to Emily was the girl that said it and this is a young like nineteen year old girl uh, from Oxford I believe that had her life completely ruined um, for, <sighs> by doing Big Brother for five days so that was on un, unfortunate and then from there on um, I think that. Um, a lot of the show was designed to, to keep Charlie in um, throughout. And I think with me, um, a rivalry was built up with a guy called Ziggy, where we were both going for the same girl. I mean, for me, I I saw the pound signs ob- obviously being the, of, the option to start a relationship. I, I had an agent going in. I knew that. And if you couldn't start a romance, then you needed to be as controversial as possible. I, I wasn't there to win it i don't have the sob story i i my family are not poor uh i'm not stupid i'm not um I'm not transgender. You're a model as uh, well. That was, that was never going yeah. to help, was it? <laughs> uh, yeah. I, I don't have, I mean, there was one guy in there who had a, who had a mum, lost his mum to cancer and yeah, everybody, so. I, I had nothing to feel sorry for. Like yeah. I, I didn't have any of that. So the only way that I was going to succeed on this show was to stand out, be controversial, make entertaining television or get myself into a, a romance situation. Instead, I think, um, what what was aired was is that I was trying to break up a, a couple, whereas I, I I didn't see them as a couple. I just saw her as fair game. She's someone that had been in the house for for about seven days more than me. Because what they did is they introduced boys day by day. They started the house with a whole bunch of girls and then introduced the boy introduced the boys day by day. So I didn't think a five to a five to seven day uh, situation constituted a relationship that i had to care about and had any concerns about breaking up mm. but um yeah they they really played this up on, on television and they really played up the fact that i was the first person to go in there and and wouldn't and wouldn't be undermined by charlie and wouldn't allow her to talk to me the way that she was steamrolling around and bullying everybody else and it for me it's a 50-50 mix it was a lot of like oh i can't believe you tried to break them up and then also oh we love the way that you stood up to Charlie. So I I had a lot of things to, to talk about when I came out, which put up my price um, for appearances and put up my price for stories and things as well. So whereas it was a short run from week two to five, it was enough for me to, to make money, especially for when I know the earnings of people that did the whole series and I earned a lot more than them and got a lot more press than them. I knew it was the right way to do it. Uh, can,
1: can I be so bold, and you don't have to answer if you don't want to? But will lots pro- of anything. Don't worry All right. Me. Approximately, how
2: much money do you think you made out off of Big Brother? Um, it's hard to say because it's really hard to, to calculate because it does come in, in in drips and drabs. Um, I can tell you some things that I was paid for, but I I, I would never be able to to accurately accumulate the total. Um, so I I was paid. Um, 24,000 by the Daily Star when I came out, and 8,000 by New Magazine. Um, I then did a follow up story when Ziggy and Chanel came out of the house, and I made about 5,000 for that. And then for set up photos in terms of girls that I would be perceived to be dating, like glamour models and whatnot, I would get around about 500 each time to be photographed of people um, my Sorry. age.
1: So, what? what- so what's that so so you you would basically be photographed with a glamour model or someone like that and yes yeah, so you would be paid
2: yeah glamour model agencies uh glamour model agencies would contact me to to set up stories where i would um i would be out with with glamour models from their agencies and, and the paps would pay you 500 for those photos and then they would sell them on for for probably more i would imagine so I did a lot, I did some I did some set up photos and things. So you
1: you uh, sorry to keep cutting you. So it's really interesting. You you the paparazzi and yourself are creating a story that isn't real and then those pictures are sold to the the tabloid press.
0: Yeah, that's
2: right. <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> that's it's, it's it's created between agents and then the paparazzi's are bought in are bought in afterwards. So and, and the newspapers don't care either, because people want to read it. They want to see it. No, that's the thing. 90% of what you read is created. Like these people a lot of these people are not meeting in an organic way but sometimes it can develop into situations like I had situations with a couple of these girls I would say like maybe maybe two out of eight so I mean that's a 25 percent turnaround where where it where the introduction turned into a re- reality situation mm. but that's just because I was ridiculously horny at the time and <laughs> and, and 23 years old and they had just come out a big brother and the thing is is that for me it was all about girls and and spending the money as quickly as i as i was getting it in um the the one other main source of income um that i should definitely mention is the club appearances because you are booked flat out to appear at universities and nightclubs across the country um sometimes you're booked in groups which is a really good fun when you when when a club does have four or five grand to put down and they can book a few of you. It doesn't mean that there's so much pressure on you to appear there. I, I hated the single ones because I would just get booed and and it would just it would just be and you'd have to think about something to to do in terms of that. You have to like obviously I'm not a singer and I'm not a DJ, so I'm just appearing at the club. Mm. I'm in there taking photos of people and stuff. It's not it's not necessarily a, a ta- in fact it's not a talent at all. So I'm not really giving you too much for my PAs. But when you're there with a group of big brother people, we, we came up with games where it was, um so for example, if it's me and one girl from my series, we would do girls versus boys. And it would be, I'd have a team of, I'd have a team of boys that had to go out and had to, we played a game called go fetch. It would be go fetch a drink from a girl and down it go. And the last task, it would build up to the point where you had to convince a girl to take off in the in the in the club to get take off their knickers and give them to you so that you could win the game um so we when we came up with stuff like that it was a much much easier booking which i enjoyed but obviously getting 1500 pounds to to go around to universities for two hours work um is pretty decent anyway and sometimes you do a double hit so you'd go from uh leicester at 11 o'clock and then you'd be in nottingham at um at two o- oh sorry pretty earlier than that like you'd go to leicester at like ten thirty, and you'd be in Nottingham by about one o'clock in the morning so you do a double hit um and some you could those were great if you could get those as well but yeah i mean that that's the main sources of income and i think the game has changed now so that if you do the shows now you will get money to promote things on the instagram and things like that which didn't exist in my day so it's evolved definitely
1: yes yeah, it's, it's like the influencer culture was is changed somewhat hasn't it um yeah so, uh, so, 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 uh, just quickly before we go on to like how you made what you did with yourself after, and what kind of how your career developed and where you took it. Um, wh- what was it like going to a club and being paid money, but just being booed? You sort of stood up there and just had to.
2: Be yeah, booed I it. mean, if it wasn't, it would have been difficult if I hadn't asked for it or hadn't. It wasn't part of the design. I think when you're being yourself and people hate you um that's probably more difficult to take because it's kind of like bit um having to take it on the chin and having the realization that you're just a very dislikable person but the fact that i did everything in a premeditated way in terms of i went into that house i i had if, if in real life if somebody is starting to see a girl and i and i'm interested in her and they've and they've been with her for four or five days or they've been on a couple of dates and i especially if i have to live with that person i would i would leave the situation alone there's so many other people to, to go for but in that situation it's not that that wasn't the case my my case was that there's a tv audience there and the most interesting thing for them to see would be for for us to both go for this girl so and for me to completely disrespect their relationship and for me to Challenge every single situation there, um, spread rumours and and basically argue with as many people as I possibly could. That's not how I go through my day to day life. Somebody, some people might tell you that it is, but but um, but it's not generally the way I go about things. Now knowing that what they'd seen was a character that was even and and the editing made it seem even worse. So whatever I had in my mind. Um, And in terms of the things that I would say in a diary where I would, it's called what what I was often asked about was my game plan. If you watch my interview with Davina, it was all she talked about the game plan and all this kind of stuff. And, and the game plan was, was even heightened up by what they edited because everything they edited of me was bad. It was all, it was all this guy is, is a snake, but there was a portion of the fans that appreciated that. So the booze, I always took them as as pantomime booze. And when I was hired by um, a wrestling company to come in and do British wrestling, I was brought in as a heel. So I'm getting booed every single place (laughs) in every single day. So being booed in my mind is my living. I'm being paid to be booed. I mean, that's that's the reaction that I want. It's 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 either cheers or booze or I, you, can you swear on this? Because I was just yeah, of course, to... course, absolutely. So uh, yeah, so it's, uh, so it's booed or sweared or don't give a fuck. When yeah. when it gets to the point where nobody cares about you, and and the the PAs years down the line were getting to that point where um, we were doing reunion PAs where we were getting as something like so if you, uh, I believe about, about two fifty three hundred pounds each, but no one really cared. So we we were just there for the night out. You were able to book. Five housemates for around about £1,500 by that point. But you know that they don't care. So it's more difficult to, to do these appearances and be tied to the show, which is why I so strongly didn't want to be tied to the show for that length of time. It was fine being tied to the show when the show was big and I was going on to Big Brother's Big Mouth and Big Brother's Bit on the Side and Big Brother's Little Brother and, and I was still appearing on, on Channel 4 throughout but when you're not even on TV and you're still being linked to the show and you want to be remembered from it and I know a lot of people that still um st- still still associate themselves as a as a Big Brother housemate decade down the line I don't do that at all you won't you don't find it on my bios and you don't find it on 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 anything that I'm about anymore uh, because it's something that I that I did but it was a long time ago but the but a lot of people will will still try and live off it because they didn't do anything else afterwards my philosophy was basically to to look at the amount of people that had done it before me how many of them are singers how many of them did succeed at becoming tv presenters how many of them did achieve their big dreams that they and and thought that big brother would lead to none of them maybe one out of 150 so i took every offer it was be it british wrestling be appearances being doing a porn, being in a porn series on TVX. I just said yes to everything and just carried on, just building up as much money as possible, as opposed to these people that were waiting for a dream that was never going to happen for them.
1: Yeah, um, for yeah, that's I mean, I can understand it, and uh, but, but also you can understand it, it must be quite difficult to let it go. Like, uh, you, you created new things for yourself, but some of the other guys you know probably but, but that's
2: but, but that's the thing i i i feel that for me doing a a shorter stint in the house and not being a winner of, of the series and stuff that there was if i had all these opportunities come knocking on my door then they would have had more than me but they chose to look down on these chances and wait for for something bigger and i know people that have turned down things that i've done or have turned down opportunities that, that, that I would have taken but they were all waiting for to become to to have a continued role on big brother to move on to present this that and the other but these these opportunities just don't come along like they don't once you're tagged with big brother you're you're basically taking the money short term and you, and it limits the amount of work that you are going to get you're not going to be taken Seriously, you're not going to become a seriously respected TV presenter. You need to make as much money as you can so that you can you can reap the benefits of, of that of that situation. And I saw a lot of people just basically sitting back and not taking work because they thought it was beneath them, because they thought that there was something bigger was going to come down the pipeline. Yeah, um, you created something else, though.
1: You became a wrestler, which Completely took me by surprise because um, I don't know your the the way you looked in Big Brother, which was a long time ago. Yeah, what wasn't you didn't look like a wrestler. But then, what does a wrestler look like? <laughs> I know a lot more about wrestling than I did previously because we're doing the wrestling podcast, which is also on uh, this feed. So people that are listening to this know a lot about wrestling because they've been listening to our our, our podcast. But how, how did that happen? You always been interested in wrestling, but how did you end up doing that?
2: Yeah, it's, it's was it was it like? crazy because they they went to Big Brother um, and asked if I and I was in there and I mean I was talking in the diary room and stuff and they were they were asking me do you, do you miss anyone like do you have a do you have a girlfriend or do you miss your family or friends and I was just like no I really don't actually um, I mean this I'm absolute I'm not one of these people that need to to see everybody all the time and I'm I've always been somebody that. Um, You know, so when I was at uni, I saw my friends all the time, but I'm also I'm also quite capable of checking in and and out with people for every six to eight weeks. Not as in checking in because I do text everybody on WhatsApp and stuff, but as in actually seeing people, I can go six to eight weeks. I mean, in this in this lockdown period that we're in now, I'm not necessarily missing seeing my friends. I'm missing generally going out going out and having something to do. I'm missing the option of having something to do or mm. or going to football matches or or I lost out on a holiday during this time. And just basically, I don't like being on the house arrest and no one does. But I've, as I said, I've already been on Big Brother and experienced this before and, and my friends and family was not something that I missed. I kept expressing the fact that the only thing that was really annoying me was the fact I couldn't keep up with the wrestling because I'd watched it since I was 10 years old. Mm. And now I had no idea what was going on. And every week I was in the house, so I had more and more to to catch up with. So they found that interesting. And a wrestling company reached out to Big Brother and asked if they could bring me in and do uh, some wrestling training and put me in for a match. And at first it was just supposed to be um, a one-off thing. Mm. But because Channel 4 wanted to... Wanted to make a bigger deal out of it and wanted to continuing continue to air my training and then to continue to and then to continue onwards to air my wrestling match at the end of it. The the wrestling company got a lot of traction and had to keep me involved, and in turn, I ended up getting a lot of TV appearances. So I became a character outside of the series. It was one of the first times it was ever done because um i would my training would continue to air on bblb be, okay so let's check in with billy at his wrestling training mm-hmm. and it would keep me on tv every week i was still doing my appearances on big mouth where i was talking about the show so i what helped me financially and, and in terms of the name was that i stayed on big brother for 13 weeks without being in the house on the on through their other shows and, and a part of it was the wrestling training so this is what I was saying before in terms of people turning down opportunities. And, and it was and it, there was a situation where I could have got hurt and I did end up getting hurt because once once I stayed on there and the cameras of Channel 4 were not there protecting me and we were going into different cities and stuff and we would do. And I was just traveling alone with the wrestling company and, and I was in the ring. People knew that they were doing the show for a lot less money than me somebody that was untrained just come off tv hadn't really earned it and given the opportunity to hit me chop me throw me on in the wrong direction they would take it and they would and it, it annoyed me to the point where uh, i would move myself onto onto commentary eventually and i would stay with the company as a commentator and a manager, um, and, in response to your what, one of the other things that you said, I always felt, yeah, I don't have the the build for it uh, at all. I am six foot one, but I, I was I was modelling at the time, and um, I, I was I was staying at around about you ten stone. Slim. Yeah, I was about I was about ten stone. I'm thirteen now, um, so that, that, and, it's, and it's sort of more the weight that I should be. I should be thirteen stone. It shouldn't be ten stone and six foot one. But yeah. had I known that um, the wrestling industry would change to the point where a lot of guys my size would go on to be champions. Uh, There's a guy called Daniel Bryan that's smaller than me. um, I know he is.
1: He goes, yes.
2: Yeah. Yes. Yeah. There's there's guys that are smaller than me. There's a guy that there's there's a guy called CM Punk who's about my size. So knowing that when I was doing the wrestling and I was getting the biggest reaction in terms of being hated and booed, and I was very good at talking on the mic and and getting them to hate me even more with the things I would say about how much more um, money I had than them and how ugly they were and how I couldn't wait to get out of whatever town it was. Yeah. I always said I couldn't get I couldn't get to, couldn't wait to get out of that particular shithole <laughs> and get back to my clubs in London, and sit in my <laughs> VIP areas and things. And uh, this wasn't even really who I what I was about, but course, I was building but... up this really hated persona as in i was get as in i i like i come here to get paid i don't care about your shitty city um, i want to get back to my city in london and sit in the vip area with people that are better than all of you and when you continue to say that in every city it's so easy to be hated and it's believable as well it's um, from the way i was editing the big brother it's absolutely believable that these thoughts would really be my own so the amount of hate I was getting on on these shows, which the promoters loved, could have could have led on to me. Um, I mean, it, it could have even led on to me being the champion at some point, and then and in touring with the belt, and people just being buying tickets to be desperate to see me get beaten up. And I feel that the companies gave that to them too early because I think that the wrestlers were in the promoters' ears and they they wanted to get their hands on me and stuff. And it just it just got to be a bit of a toxic environment to the point where I wanted to move on to commentary. And I was allowed to do that because it kept my face on the DVDs Mm. um, because it through just through my voice, but it kept me in and around the company. It still meant that I could do the meet and greets and everything with the, with the fans that came along and the promoters were happy with that. And they still kept bringing me in obviously for less money. But for me, I wasn't getting taken advantage of as such. But I, I suppose one of my regrets is that I just didn't stick it out and uh and and look at where the business evolved to because there's people that i was wrestling with at the time that have gone on and got hired by wwe and tna and AEW aw and whatnot so i do regret not carrying it on but at the time what i didn't what was annoying me is that i was doing wrestling shows for 300 pounds and i was telling my agent that i would i was turning down Uh, club appearances for 1500 so i was taking a 900 pound pay cut to make sure that i fulfilled my wrestling obligations through the pure love of of wrestling Mm. and once i got sick of the fact that this wasn't appreciated by the wrestlers themselves where i you know i I never ever said what i thought which was the only reason you're getting this many people is because i'm here the only reason that that wrestling has reached this point is because i put you on channel four for six weeks nobody knew that british wrestling even existed anymore They thought it died back when big daddy stopped wrestling back in the 80s i'm the only one that showed this country that this still exists and you guys are chopping me and dropping me on my head and and not speaking to me but there was there was there was a lot of guys that that just wouldn't just flat out just wouldn't talk to me on tours so Oh. I just got sick of it in the end and just decided that I'll do my commentary. When, when we were doing shows that there were going to be DVDs of, I turned up, did the commentary for those particular shows, reduced my schedule and basically just phased it out.
1: Those, bo- those wrestlers were being stiff with you. Is that right? Is that the, that's, the that's exact
2: That's the exact terminology. I, I didn't want to say it because I didn't know if the audience would be familiar with it. But but yeah, I'm not sure.
1: Be... I'm not sure they are, but, but, but basically my mate cow on, on the wrestling, it's called, we call it the wrestling podcast. Um, He's teaching me the vernacular, so I will do pick up a couple of things. Um, okay, yeah, we're running out of time, so I know you've got to record. And they some...
2: would uh, potato me as well. So potato, you know, yeah,
1: you get hit with a real punch.
2: Yeah,
1: yeah, bastards. Um, so, Billy, I, I just want to quickly talk about this before you have to go because you, you've got to record at two, right? So... I, I can, I,
2: I can just send, in, I, I can, I can email the guy and just give you more time. It's fine, as long as I, as long as I go by two, it's okay.
1: Yeah, OK, cool. Thanks. Um, OK, so, so tell me about the next step, which is interesting, isn't it? Because it's you, you, you took a step into the adult entertainment industry.
0: Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high end essentials at 50 to 80 percent less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets and so much more.
2: No, that's and I said to you we were going to talk about it before, but I said we'll we'll save it for, for now because it's a um, an interesting story. So um, again, these these opportunities come around, and some people would, would obviously turn this down. Um, I don't I don't know. I always i I try to be I, I try to be humble with these things, and, and I always think that I wasn't the first choice for the show because um, it basically was a Big Brother porn parody. <laughs> and I, I always and always think to myself that with all the men that had come before me that had been villains before, such as Victor Abua and Nasty Nick and all these people, why they why they approached me? But once, but and this was this was one of my first questions. But once it came clear what they wanted, I, I knew that I was the first choice. Um, I had a situation where um, I had a, a fling with Katie Price while she was married to Peter Andre. Um that came around from um her bumping into me in a club and saying, Oh, hi, oh hi, Gadget Boy. I can't remember I can't believe you I saw you in Big Brother. And that was from me working in the gadget shop from when I was 17. She lived in Rice Lip and I lived in Uxbridge and worked at a gadget shop and she would come in and ask us just basically about all the gadgets that that we sold there at the time, because there was a novelty, uh, with the gadget shop at the time, now we got mankind and all these other stores. It's not really a big deal, but at the time it was quite a revolutionary shop that I worked in back in two thousand one, so six years down the line, she bumps into me at embassy club and and says to me, "Oh hi, gadget boy, do you remember me coming in and speaking during you the shop? Of course I did it's Katie Price, so we got talking at that point, and um in the end they, they ended up developing into a, a situation now. Um, This ended up coming out in the media through um, one of my, um, sorry, one of my girlfriends at the time, uh, finding a whole load of conversation on MSN, like it's an old technology as well we don't use now, um, on my computer and trying to sell it to the news of the world. And um, the news of the world said to her, we can't publish this immediately because this is not your computer and we're essentially entering into we're trespassing on the property here because this was all done while i was at a five-a-side tournament so i was at a um, celebrity five sorry six-a-side tournament called soccer six so i was at this tournament and she had gone through my computer and had then called them, immediately her instinct was to call the news of the world and try and sell the story so how long was you together um about six months fuck was she planning so, on going anyway sorry was she planning on leaving you or was it just a she was just sort of money or what No, she just she just saw the money and um, and just I mean and this is the kind of thing. During that time, it's, it's actually done me. It's actually probably damaged me long term because I'm very weary. I was very weary of everyone up until that point where it doesn't it doesn't do your um your your mind a lot of good in terms of trusting people. And that's the thing. It's good. It's good fun for people to sleep with hundreds of girls over the course of two three years off off the back of a TV show. But then when you want to settle down with someone, it's really difficult to know that they're not going go to uh, go to a nightclub and, and bump into, uh, who are the usual people that are out? Uh, Jermaine Defoe's out all the time. Like, it's not, you don't know if she's not going to bump into Jermaine Defoe and go home with him. So yeah. that that's, the, that's always the stuff that's playing for your mind in terms of how many girls did you take home? How many of them probably had boyfriends or were involved with somebody and what's going to be different when they can upgrade on you so these to these so this these are the problems that that can build up mentally so and this didn't help at all Whereas I left home for a four hour period and all of a sudden she had enough time to go through my abuse, call the News of the World. The News of the World were able to go there, look through, decide that they had the story and then think about a way to print it. So I ended up getting a call from, from somebody at Heat Magazine saying the News of the World have a story on you through your ex. And they're trying to find a way to legally publish it. They're going through their lawyers and looking for an angle to print this story about you and Katie price. If you don't do it through heat magazine, they will find a way to do it and they will pay your, your girlfriend who I spoke to and quickly made my ex at the time. And, um, you, you will end up getting nothing and you, and she will end up getting paid for going through your computer. So I then found the best way to get my side of the story out through heat magazine, which I did. Now, TVX immediately wanted to to contact me because they didn't want Victor or Nick or any of these housemates that came before. They wanted to do the show with the guy who, the big brother housemate who'd slept with Jordan because they'd already had a, a, a series running called Being Horden. Sorry, so, but
1: I, I missed, you slept with her?
2: Yeah, I had, a situa- I had a situation with her for a couple of months, yeah.
1: Oh, mate, I've got so many questions. Carry on.
2: So off the back of off the back of that story coming out in heat magazine that mm. TVx contacted me immediately and wanted to do uh, wanted to do a series and they wanted they they had a big brother a big brother theme series um in in mind but eventually when I spoke to them and being somebody that was a watcher of porn um a porn fan uh, <laughs> as such I said to them i don't like this series I said i, I don't want to just tag my name to something where the idea was this the idea was for me to bring in big brother housemates and basically um get them to live out fetishes in terms of dress the porn girl up in in outfits that they wanted basically all it was all it was was the girl would bring a suitcase to the shoe another big brother housemate would be next to me and he would pick an outfit out for her to wear and then she would do a porn scene. It was so unbelievably generic and boring. Yeah. And I said, look, why don't we do this? I said, I want to do, if, if I'm going to get this opportunity, I want to do something that's never been done before. And I want to do a casting couch. And I want to pretend that me and my uh, housemate who's doing a cameo and we would change the person every week, has connections to Big Brother and we can help these girls get onto Big Brother. But what we really want them to do is is prove that they are willing to have sex in the house rather than just saying it in an audition. So we want to basically test, test out if these girls are legit before they go in. So that was the theme of the series. So I wanted to scout. All the new girls, I completely ripped up the list of Tanya Tates and Shay Hendricks and Kerry Louise and all these people that had been around and done a hundred scenes. And I was like saying, no, I'm going to go through my Facebook. I have inherited a massive social media from this, a social media that has allowed me to go from Big Brother to become a club promoter and and live off being a club promoter. And I can use this social media to find brand new porn stars. And that's what I want to do. And I don't care if it takes... Four or five months longer than than it than it than it would have done normally right I know you want to just bang this series out and stick my name on it, but I want to make something i want to make a porno that I would watch, so that's what I ended up doing um and they and they allowed me to to do it and i'm just and I'm actually much happier to put my name to something that that guys genuinely like that has a decent all right we all know that the girls are acting the fact that you've never seen them before and the fact that it looks it looks as much as it can look like we manipulated them to to have sex to get a good to us for us to put in a good word for them to get into big brother we all know how porn works and that, that that's not real but you can actually it the show is good enough for you to suspend your disbelief a little bit which mm. which i think is so much better than what i originally had to put my name to
1: i love that you've put a craft to making porn it's not well, something you'd expect to talk to hear from someone who's produced before
2: well that was the thing i just didn't like what they wanted me to do before I and mean, in at the time there was stuff it was very early in, in the infancy of i mean you've got to think back to 2011 2010 2011 when we're in the infancy of backroom casting couches and there was no fake agent and fake taxi and all that at the same time whereas now it's very common for Bert, to pretend that if you do the audition you'll get in or you can get a free taxi fare if you have sex in the fake taxi I mean that's everybody (laughs) knows that that series exists but at the time this wasn't around this wasn't around as much so this was just something that was in my mind it was just something that I saw on on one porn site really and I wanted to replicate it to my own series and I think it came out really well and I think the producer was was really impressed when he worked on it I mean I think I think if I didn't come up with this idea, then there wouldn't have been two more years of it.
1: Yeah, that's what I'm saying. What, what happened then? You cre- you had a, a a career. Okay, a career that lasted two years.
2: Yeah, I, I had it. I I continued it onwards, and the only reason that I didn't do series four was because um, I was going through a divorce at the time, and there was child custody. Um, situation going around and i didn't want to be associated to the porn industry mm. um irony being is that i married somebody that was on Babe station so <laughs> it, it, you'd think that the two things would have cancelled each other out but sorry, so
1: the to... the person who was in a custody battle with was in porn but you wanted no, on no babe, previously on, oh, babe on Dave
2: station. Dave sorry, station. sorry 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 yeah. station. yeah so not in porn no but, but um, adult material yeah so i i didn't want to be the worst of two evils if people even consider that to be an evil i i, I didn't have an issue with it which is why i was able to mm. to to marry the person for me it's never been an issue but um yeah m- m- moving on from that um as i as i was in in the court case i just thought it was a better idea to to completely clean up and and get the best possible access that i could get so i i told tvx that i that I wouldn't be doing the show in addition to that there was actually a, a further dispute as well um, this is a this is a really good story actually um th- during one of the scenes there was a there was one of the guys doing a cameo was a was a guy called Darnell who was an albino I don't know if you guys remember him yeah yeah here. yeah yeah what he was in he was <laughs> he was on it he was on it he was on the year he did the big brother the year after mine and because um, I was kept on as a pundit Um, for Big Brother in the following year so I'm very friendly with the people that came the year after me I actually like that house better than mine I feel that if I lived in that one I could have I would have stayed even longer and it would have I think it was more suited for me the personalities and the mixture and whatnot. but I became very friendly with these people and I used a lot of them in my series now all the other people came in and done their cameos and got paid and he came up to me and he's an American he goes oh dude dude I have to get some head. I have to get some head on the shoot. I was like, I can't ask her to give you head. I was like, because, because I'm not really in charge. The the, the guy that's in charge is over there. He's the real producer because he's the one that's shooting it all. And if I, and if this comes out, like I'm going to, you know, it's going to be a big issue. And he goes, he goes, oh dude, he goes, come on, you got to sort it out for me. How can I, uh, can you just like ask her if she'll do it uh, afterwards or whatever? And I was like, no, I'm just not getting into this conversation. with her. I said, the only way, I could swing this for you is if you wanted to be filmed. He was like, Yeah, yeah, dude, i do it. I was like, Are you sure? I was like, I, I was like, I cannot get you an extra penny though for it. I said, we're at budget now. I said, because if I start, I said, the budget is this for housemates. And, and I said, and if I start giving any more money out, it's coming out of my own pocket. He was like, dude, I'm gonna be a rapper. And this is the kind of thing I'm talking about. They think they're gonna be singers, rappers, TV presenters. And he basically said to me, I'm gonna be a rapper. I don't care. Like this a rapper, this is exactly the type of thing a rapper would do. So I said to the producer, I was like, he wants to be in it. And he said, well, he can't have sex because he's not tested. I said, but he can have a, would he be, he'd be willing to get a blowjob? I said, that's all he wants. So I agreed with the girl. I didn't feel really bad about telling her that this would be really good for her career because she's an unknown porn star. And and this would get her loads of publicity. I mean, it did, but just the fact that I even had to have that conversation feels a bit felt a bit off. Yeah. Um. So I convinced her to do it, and the next thing we know, he's in the scene, and um, it blows up. It's all in the papers. It's all in the Daily Star and everything. And um, I'm the go. I'm about to do my third series on the current contract that I'm on. I get a call from Strictly Broadband, who's a company that that sell porn online, and they say to me, "Hey, if you ever want to do a series of us." directly without tvx let us know because um your your that scene is the biggest selling scene we've ever had in history i was like well how much is it done they were like oh it's it's done eighty thousand buys at 6.99 so that scene alone that's that scene alone is generating over half a million pounds where
1: what how i mean i don't want to see it but i kind of do do you know what i mean yeah i mean it's
2: it's it's available Everywhere got for, for free. It. <laughs> no, it's, about, it's, it's on Pornhub for free. So uh, you can, I, you can I, track it down. If you want to my... see it, I'll, I'll find it for you. But um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, they, they've made an additional um, over half of it, over 650,000 on the side, just on that one scene. So I contact them and, and ask in the middle of the third series and say, I, need, I would like a cut of that or I would like my pay increased because I know that there's no way that you calculate for you you guys making over six hundred and fifty thousand pounds more i mean that's just there's no way that you, anybody could have accounted for that and um i would like a cut of that or i'd like a pay increase next time because you guys don't understand the work that i had to go through to make that happen on the day and um, they didn't agree to it at all so as we reach in a loggerheads where they're not going to give me a penny extra despite the fact that I've made them so much money and I have a pending court case coming up. I just decided just to get out. And um, I always had the strictly broadband offer there, but I've actually never gone back to it. I just, um, I'm just, I'm just very paranoid already about what's out there in terms of having a, having a kid that finds it. So it's sort of something that I've, I've left behind.
1: Yeah. Fair enough. Um, Like when I was Googling you, there's lots of stuff online. Like, Lots of forum posts and shit like that. Do you ever are you over that? You passed all that. You don't care about it anymore.
2: No, it's not. It's it's all it's all done in in character. I don't think anything's coming from people that really know me. I've not had really major fallings out with people that know me and whatnot. I mean, so, every, so. yeah, every. I mean, nobody really knows me in terms. of If you watch me on TV, if you've watched the porn series, if you've watched, I mean, the porn series was me playing a character that manipulated girls into having sex on camera so that they could be in Big Brother. Do I do that in real life? No. Uh, Do I break up couples in real life? No. Do I go into towns and tell people that I'm here for the money and I think this town is a pile of shit and I can't wait to get back to London? No. I had a hotel in that town and I went home and I actually went out in that town most nights and and ended up then going to bed in my hotel in that town. I didn't ever leave to go to a VIP area in London. None of this is reality. So all the criticisms are not reality based. Yeah. There is some stuff that's happened over the years in social media in terms of disagreements I've had with with certain people. But even that, in terms of the way I utilize social media at at the time, it was always in in a sense to, to rile people. up. Yeah. Yeah. And that was your money that was your yeah, business that, that's the thing it was all, it was all done for 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 money but then once we evolved into a period where um it got a more serious job where doing this um doing the podcast that i do at the moment for the sports gambling podcast network um it was almost a weight off my shoulders because i don't need to do the character anymore because the the job i have with with the SGP talking about the the EPL um doesn't mean that I have to do that character. All I need to be is good at talking about the Premier League. That's it. There's no, there's no pressure on me to be controversial or to, or to get people to hate me. The, the, the period of getting paid to incite hatred all comes between 2007 and 2014. I mean, that was seven years that I really enjoyed, but at the same time, um, it, it was all done in, in character. Was it exhausting? like by the end of it was you like oh, i've had enough of this
1: or do, did you enjoy it what like what, how do you look back at that seven year period and how does it make you feel
2: it was an eye-opener to when um when i was when i had fallen out of my ex and and my solicitor hands me the court folder from the other party and um they've dug up everything I've done and said and my and I'm explaining it to my solicitor as I'm explaining it to you right now and saying well this is all done in in character and this is what I was being paid for and and even having to tell the same thing to a judge um, essentially and um, it's quite eye-opening to say to have to get that explanation in terms of it doesn't just make sense to people anyway in terms of they really might think that this is this is how you are but yeah, it, 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 is exa- it is exhausting in terms of having to always give the having to always give the explanation, and then also in terms of um, having relationships w- with people that that are convinced that you will cheat on them or or, or whatever. It does it does have a knock on effect. It does become exhausting when you're trying to explain it to everyone, and then um, and then yeah, that that was the main thing. And also, there's there's incidents as well. Um, at the time after big brother you're very protected by doormen and bouncers and people knowing that you're in or also when i was working as a club promoter they know it's my club night so nobody's gonna touch me in my own venue essentially but when you want to go out to when you when your friends from university or whatever who aren't involved in this circle want to organize Nights out in, in other towns like Liverpool. I was petrified to go to Liverpool. I'd said loads of negative things about Liverpool. I'd said loads of negative things about Liverpool Football Club and their supporters and, and everything. So when it came to go a night out in Liverpool that wasn't a club appearance, it was a night out with my own mates, I was worried about incidents and things happening because there had been incidents in other places before where I'd been in a, I'd been in a toilet cubicle and in, in an appearance where someone had pissed in a pint glass and pulled it over the top um no one's going to protect you in the toilets so that was a situation where people could do stuff or they would throw bottles at you or they would wait for you outside and you'd end up having to go out back doors and things but this was all part of it because the thing is at the end of the day you look at it and say if you're going to get 1500 pounds to pop into a nightclub you there's gonna there's, there's gonna have to be you're gonna have to earn it in some way you might not have to earn it with the work that you do on the night but you're gonna to have to earn it in some other ways. There's gonna be consequences to everything. There is no such thing as as free money. Like you, there, there has to be a a consequence of 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 everything that you do. The, the life's just not as simple as here you go. Here's have having to have have a great life and have all this free money and and go and sleep with who you want and be as arrogant and as cocky as you like and wind people up as much as you want and get paid for it and nobody's. Going to come after you and there's going to be no consequences because that's just not realistic no it's very true
1: um do you like this is the final question now, Billy, and thank you so much for your time. This has really been fascinating. We usually only do half an hour and I think we've been running for an hour at least so um what do would you would you change any of it like would you change like that those three weeks in the big brother house essentially set up the way you had to lead your life in the public eye for the next seven years would you would you change anything? Would you? Would you? Would you do things differently if you had another run at it?
2: Yeah, it's a difficult question because it's it has sometimes been exhausting and it has cost me things in terms of um, I through the back of my club nights through through successfully having a lot of club nights I was headhunted by Thought Park and I was coming to fix an event called Ride and Rave that they'd completely and utterly pissed up. And I had to come in, and at this point, it it wasn't just a case of me just having a big database of people and, and, and getting people to London, because that's... The way I became a club promoter was a club promoter, a bigger club promoter approached me and said, what are you going to do now for the, after Big Brother? Have you ever thought about being a club promoter? You've inherited a massive following on on MySpace at the time and Facebook, and the, or you, can, you can be a really good club promoter because you have so much data. So that's how I became that. But over the years, through running my own events, I actually did become good at the job to the point where Thought Park reached out to me to fix an event. And... They'd sold 50 tickets, and I managed to fill the place out with 3,000 people in just with just two weeks, using my knowledge of what I'd done. So I was proud of that because I had reestablished um, my name as somebody that could put on events from scratch and not just rely on his Facebook and and an inherited database. So when the opp- when that opportunity came about, um, Fort Park then wanted me to. Work for them permanently, and then I then got an email from a guy called I won't say his name actually, uh, a guy who who worked there and said to me, "Sorry, we can't, we can't, we have to um, pull back on the job offer because um, somebody has a problem with your background and social media." And then. It was the same thing when I then moved on to Head Candy in Brighton, where there was a ceiling in terms of how far I could go. Yeah, I went down there. I fixed Brighton Head Candy. It was the same job. It was a club that was falling well, well below their profits. I moved down there, turned it into a profitable venue, which they were able to sell because they just wanted rid of it. So in nine months, I went down there change the price of the venue was there a job for me wait was there a job waiting for me in the office at Head candy afterwards no there wasn't because i'm the guy who they can they're happy to have out on the field doing the job being out there running the club and but when it comes down to being in the head office i my image is too dirtied up for me to be an actual a official employee so it does close a lot of doors in that sense so it has i could have gone down the route of doing big brother doing my appearances and then going back and and carrying on what i was qualified to do in terms of what i did a degree in which is sport science but um i didn't because the thing is is that the age i was at and, and and i'm being completely honest i liked being around those clubs i liked being around those girls i liked taking girls home i liked partying i liked getting up in the afternoon like I got very hooked into that lifestyle and I wanted to make it continue onwards and having a kid um, not at first either but having a kid when he was when it was my after getting my days in court and then having the responsibility of having um, three days a week on my own I had to wake up like immediately and um, not live like not live like that um, at all and it was a it was a quick it was a quick switch in terms of okay I have to have my kid now for three days a week so we need to phase these club nights out and it, it was it was a process of doing less and less and getting more and more shows on the sports gambling podcast and just as my credibility rose in one and, and I was able to uh, able to get more respected as a as a football analyst I was able to drop club nights one by one obviously it wasn't a case of I won a court case and I'm gonna drop all of my club nights immediately. That's just not how it works. That would have been that would have not been financially possible. But Um I've got one, one one final
1: question, Billy. Um you've got a picture on your on your um on your Skype. It's a cartoon. Uh do you know what I'm talking about?
2: Yeah, is it the um the you, cartoon of, of you? You look with, like yeah.
1: you're Jesus and yeah. you're surrounded by six women. Two of which are kissing each other. What?
2: <laughs> like, what's that? What's that about? Yeah, you, I you, that, I that just, yeah, I think that just. Yeah, I think just a logo at, at the time. I think when I transitioned into so, again, um, a lot of people are, want, want this person still. So I think when once I um I got I got called in I got asked to be a part of a, a podcast called The Steel Cage, which is a wrestling podcast, and they wanted me to come in and I had this, this social media following and it would, and it obviously helped them gain listeners. But I, everybody had a nickname on there and it was mm. like, um, there was a guy called, um, the beast of the Middle East. And cause there was one guy that was podcasting. He was from the Middle East and everybody needed a nickname. And I just went with dirty Jesus. <laughs> and,
1: um, you don't and, look dissimilar to Jesus now.
2: No, I know. And I, and I, I, I still look exactly like that. And I think a part of it was, um, I ended up growing, I ended up growing a beard. I've had, a, I ended up growing this beard, I think around about 2011, 2012, because, um, I grew it for the porn series. I mostly have it in the porn series. I experimented with it in the, in the porn series. So if you catch the last, um, few episodes of the porn series, the bit, the beard is in there. And I think that came out 2011, 2012. And I think for me, it was transit. Th- th- it was transitioning away. And also there's, there's no, there's no money any there was no it was getting to the point where there's no money anymore and being recognized my being recognized was only becoming a problem in terms of um at the time it was it was a load of fun but i think at this point um when i was transitioning into i did the porn series and i was doing my work at thought park in head candy and i just think i just didn't want to be recognized as much and the bid actually helped with that yeah, um, it's
1: like a, it's almost like a a barrier a disguise, because it, it changed I'm just I've just googled you and your image and you look so different from the guy that went into Big Brother. And obviously time has changed you, but it's the you yeah, you look like you was almost um I, and I don't mean to be offensive when saying this, but like androgynous
2: to some degree. Yeah, and, of course. Yeah, I I I agree. And um but now you look manly, very manly yeah I just think that like it was a beard the beard and everything was a representation of uh, me I mean in terms of also being able to go to the gym and and walk over to the weight section which is not something I just didn't do in the, when I was modeling and and, and I just I, I was strictly cardio and I played I had football training and I played for a football team on, on Saturdays um, that in itself is a is another story I because after after big brother yeah, the, um, got, got, I, I went back to the, the tackles that I got mate, I can imagine t- t- just the leg breaking bullshit that I had to deal with was just unbelievable I still I, I really enjoy I still went and played I that thing I didn't quit on although it was happening in the wrestling the Saturday morning football I was always that sort of player so once it once it started to get really rough and and you know, fights could almost break out over it. I I I really looked forward to going to play on Saturdays, and it was weird because I mean, even in the the charity events that we were that we were having, we there was one uh, incident at soccer six where the Big Brother and the Hollyoaks team just had a massive row, and at, at I believe it was oh I don't even remember the stadium that we were at. I can't remember, um, but yeah, I, I always enjoyed that 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 side of things. I mean, as much as it didn't look like. I'm that type of person. But I think once we got away from me needing to to, to look that certain way and, and mm-hmm. things were sort of phasing out and I was getting other work where I didn't need to be um, associate with Big Brother because at the time it was all Big Brother, Big Brother, Big Brother appearances um, in terms of going into clubs, appearing back on Big Brother. So it was important to keep the look. And, as, and I say this about people. There's a guy – I'm friends with him, but I always – criticising for it, Victor Victor Abua, who was in Big Brother 5, he still goes out in his black hat that he wore in Big Brother. And if a club, and if a club takes, he always asks me, he goes, oh, the club, uh, when I was working on clubs, oh, is this one of the clubs where they're going to make me take my hat off? And I would speak to my club owners and say, hey, I've got a guy coming down for Big Brother he's a mate of mine. He likes to wear his black hat because he gets recognised from Big Brother. Can he please keep it on? And these are genuine conversations that I've had and I'm not joking. I had to ask people if this guy who was recognized, who's known in Big Brothers wearing a black hat, can please wear his black hat so girls still come up to him. Um, so stupid, but so 100 percent true. So that that was something that was that was happening. And um, I was the opposite to that because I just wanted to draw a line under it. And the beard and the tattoos and putting on some extra muscle mass and all that kind of stuff, and having a nose ring, and all these kind of things all kind of take you away from the person who you can you almost don't even think it's the same person mm.
1: yeah that, that, it all, all makes sense, and it's absolutely fascinating because you know I was always always think about what would happen to people that go through that have, have that much exposure, and then suddenly it's gone. And and the limelight's gone, and the fifteen minutes are over, and 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 that, how that must impact you, or you know, not so much you because you went on to have stay in the limelight for a long time, but for people like Victor, where it, it will probably be, and I don't know him, and I don't know what he's, I don't know him at all obviously, but from in terms of fame, that would that's it for him. Do you know what I mean? It's happened and it's over. Well, I mean, Big Brother, to...
2: he did Big Brother, and then he did Ultimate Big Brother, which was the one where everybody went back on. So, I mean. He, he he's done the same big brother bits as i have but i think in 2013 he he went in, in 2005 i believe or 2004 2005 and he had it all the way up to 2013 or so so big brother remained on on channel four on the channel four platform for quite a few number of years whereas i had my seven years and then had to like and then moved on to something else although Nothing, nothing will ever match the exposure of being on in front of 8 million people at a night. I think I've been able to psychologically cope with it because I've never had to. It's never been a case of, oh, you were this and now you're that in terms of like you're, you were so known and now you're so like nothing because I've kind of phased it down. And, and I really enjoy what I do now, whereas for, for someone like that, whereas it was. Um, a gradual lessening to the point where in 2013 it had it probably 2013 14 it probably did go very cold, but I think it's much much worse for people that don't have the years of work. So if you go onto Big Brother, and um, and you think you're going to move on to this that or the other, and then all of a sudden you're not back on next year, you're not back on the year before. Big Brother is still on, but you're not being called in for appearances and things like that. So I think for Victor it's not as bad. I think it's really i think it's I think it's bad for people that go on and have that two months' worth and then all of a sudden they don't they don't have anything or even for the people that um for the older people like there was two older ladies in my year Carol and Tracy who didn't who did the whole series, but there was no interest in getting them into nightclubs and there was no interest in them doing anything afterwards, so they just did the series and that's it and it's also it's also the same for for gay guys they're gay guys it's very people don't understand that, but they actually find it very difficult they're not a bookable asset in terms of if they have come out as if they've come out as gay then they find that their club appearances are quite small because they are not because it's not they're not booked by clubs in terms of being a
1: book for gay clubs though
2: um, the G.A.Y. at the time was was just somewhere that where Big Brother people went on a Wednesday night. Like we would but the fact and for so lot, the problem that they had was that people, Big Brother and G.A.Y. had a relationship before we went in. So as housemates, they had us for free. China White also. They had us for free embassy had us for free they would get all the big brother people who wanted to go there all the big brother people always had a always had an allegiance with gay so essentially the gay guys couldn't make any money out of them because the housemates would go there anyway so it was really difficult for them to to make money unless they were a winner so it, it was really only the straight males and the straight females and all the youngsters that made any money the The people that were gay and the elderly people never didn't really make that much money out of it at all. It's really cutthroat.
1: I can imagine. Uh, Billy, mate, thank you so much for your time. No problem, Um, mate. It's absolutely been fascinating. And um, yeah, uh, thanks a lot, mate. I'll speak soon, hopefully. Cheers. Thank you. Take care.